You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Time once again for instant analysis on the Bama Online Podcast. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BOL, with you following the Alabama Crimson Tide's 30-24 win over the Ole Miss Rebels Saturday afternoon at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium in Oxford, Mississippi. It wouldn't have been a road game, right? If Alabama doesn't get behind early, finds itself in a 10 to nothing hole there early in the second quarter before the Crimson Tide offense finally gets something going. Bryce Young leads his offensive mates on an 80-yard scoring march there in the second quarter. Looked like Bryce had a little bit of a come-to-Jesus meeting with a little help from Nick Saban before taking the field on that possession, but Alabama makes it a 10-7 to game there with 8.55 left in the second quarter after that 80-yard march, which was culminated by an absolute dart of a throw from Bryce Young to Jermaine Burton on a slant to get the Crimson Tide to within a field goal and really a forgettable first half in a lot of ways for the Alabama offense and the defense to an extent, although that fourth down stop there in the first quarter looked bigger as the game went on. When it was 10 to nothing, I don't think you could really appreciate how important that sequence was at the end of Ole Miss's first possession of the game to get that stop down there inside the 15 without any points. They looked pretty big there late when the Rebels were trailing by six and in need of a touchdown to win the football game. But Alabama offensively, again, in the first half, not much going on there in the first quarter. You look at the first half production for Alabama on the offensive side of the ball, just 30 plays in the first half for the Alabama offense, just 26 rushing yards on 16 attempts, just 119 total yards on those 30 snaps. Meanwhile, Ole Miss doubling up the Alabama offense, 237 total yards, uh, 124 on the ground. You want to talk about balance. 124 on the ground for Ole Miss, the SEC's leading rushing club coming into the game. 113 yards through the air. And you look at the scoreboard, though, and it's 17-14 in large part because Alabama defensively with a takeaway there late in the second quarter. What a game for Byron Young. And look, I'm going to bounce around. I'm going to probably mix in some of my five predictions for the game as we move along here on the podcast. Going to go positionally in some ways throughout the pod as well. But got to mention Byron Young, the pride of Laurel, Mississippi. Laurel, that's where they film, uh, that's where the show Hometown originates, right? Ben and, God, I forget the wife's name. Anyway, uh, boy, give it to Byron Young. What a football game for the veteran defensive lineman. He finishes with 11 tackles, including six solos. He had the two sacks in the game, including one there late on Ole Miss's final drive of the game to try to take the lead and was very much in the Alabama red zone. He had a pass breakup, and he had two quarterback hurries, and he forced the fumble that Terry and Arnold recovers there late in the second quarter. Now, it was a good news, bad news situation at the time because if not for the quick whistle, which 
Alabama a couple times now, right? Road loss at Tennessee, quick whistle, took away a potential fumble recovery there in the second half of that game, fourth quarter of that game. That could have gone a long way in Alabama putting that game away. Uh, And then once again, quick whistle. And you just don't see quick whistles in college football. As I've talked about many times, as far as player uh, protection goes, you see more of that in the NFL. The quick whistles are in the NFL. Usually in college football, it's borderline rugby. They just kind of let the scrums go on and on. And you even saw that on a Jace McClellan run there in the second quarter where the pile kind of got pushed for about 12 yards. But Byron Young comes up huge. He's really played well throughout the season. I've had him in my top 12 tighters for quite some time now. But uh, 11 tackles for Byron, huge late in the game. You know, Judkins hits that 35-yard run or somewhere in that neighborhood. He put a juke move. What a move he put on Brian Branch in the hole, too, to spring that thing. Ole Miss kind of caught the Alabama defense in, well, as you would expect, more of a uh, pass defense. And uh, Lane stayed with the run game. And Judkins hit it a couple times. The 35-yarder, then he comes back with the 14-yarder down inside the Alabama 15. And I know Alabama fans at that point are thinking, oh, no. Here we go again. But this time... The Alabama defense with Byron Young on second down and also, I believe, third down on that defining series, that defining sequence of the game there late. Byron Young comes up big, uh, drops Jackson Dart for no gain on second and 10 from the Alabama 14, and then he sacks Dart for a loss of six on third and 10 that sets up a fourth and 16 from the Alabama 20 and look give Brian Branch a lot of credit because he absolutely whiffed on the opportunity to take down Judkins in the hole there earlier in the possession but you know that's a route we see teams go at a lot especially in that situation you see it with Georgia with those tight ends they like to use it kind of a Tampa two beater. Um, Well, you know, look, when they got it matched up on a linebacker earlier in the game, Ole Miss hit it for a big play. I want to say there in the third quarter, a deep ball right down the middle where Ole Miss got, I believe it was Watkins lined up in a matchup on, uh, or it may have been Heath. It was one of the two. They got a matchup there with Jalen Moody trying to run down the seam and Ball was in the air a long time, but once again, Alabama defensive backs not quite able to get over the top and make plays on the football. Alabama, though, with eight pass breakups in the game. We talk about what Byron Young was able to do. A couple of them coming from defensive linemen. Give DJ Dale a lot of credit, too. Between Young and Dale, the pass breakups that each of those guys had in the game were on third down. So, The Alabama defense rises up in the second half, plays much better. Once the Alabama offense gave the defense the lead there in the fourth quarter, finally, on the Will Reichard field goal, uh, Alabama never trailed again. That certainly was not the case in Baton Rouge last week. Time and time again, the offense handed the defense the lead, and the defense was not able to take care of business. And whereas Judkins had a big game, he had – he was 135 rushing yards in the game, two rushing touchdowns. Uh, he is the real deal as a true freshman, no doubt about it, from the Montgomery area. Uh, better in the second half when you talk about 
third down especially. Ole Miss in the second half, just one of five on thirds. Uh, for the game, Ole Miss was 0 of 2 on fourths. So there was some good stuff from the Alabama defense, although one of my five predictions going into the game was that just for the third time this season, an Alabama defensive back would intercept a pass. And look, there were two or three opportunities. Hell, Ole Miss felt so comfortable going against that secondary, they even had a wide receiver throw a double pass that that wasn't intercepted, that was really kind of a lame duck uh, toss down the field. And then Jackson Dart in the second quarter didn't – you can't throw a more interceptable ball than what Jackson Dart threw in the second quarter. Unfortunately, uh, Jordan Battle was not able to come up with that opportunity. But again – Arnold, give him a lot of credit because he's thrust into action after Eli Ricks goes out. Sounded like Eli Ricks and listening to Nick Saban postgame was deemed on that play, uh, went into concussion protocol. So Terry and Arnold's right back out there after being supplanted by Ricks a couple of games ago. And it was tough there at times for Terry and Arnold. There was no doubt once he was in the game, and maybe this was the plan even if it was Ricks, but... They were going to attack that corner in man coverage with those back shoulder throws. I mean, Malik Heath, for a second there, I thought he was Laquan Treadwell all over again, reincarnate or something. As much as the Rebels used to love to throw that back shoulder throw uh, to Laquan Treadwell, it kind of felt like that. But, man, say this for Terry and Arnold. You know, we'll still see if he's a high-level SEC corner over the course of time. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. But the dude didn't go fetal when he could have because he was absolutely under siege siege on Saturday and had a pass interference, uh, gave up a couple of plays. He ended up with 10 tackles, though, a couple of pass breakups, including one in the end zone. So he gets a lot of credit for hanging in there when it could have been t- it could have been easy to say, you know what? Uh, this isn't going to end so well for me, but uh, he maintained. And I thought there were some interesting things, too, uh, also in the game, kind of, again, jumping around since we're looking at the defense right now. That weak side linebacker rotation, it seemed quarter by quarter almost, didn't it? Jalen Moody gets the start. Jalen has some limitations. You start working the perimeter game or getting him matched up with some guys that can run in the passing game. It's going to be problematic, but you saw from Deontay Lawson when he was in the game, did some good things, especially in pass defense, and he had a big hit or two. It's good to see some physicality from Deontay Lawson. I thought that was an encouraging performance for the second year inside linebacker overall on Saturday. Henry Toa Toa, once again, very busy. I thought Ole Miss was very clear in its plan, especially in the red zone on that first opportunity. Look, we don't think we don't think you've got a war daddy on the interior, and we don't think your inside linebackers can thump particularly well. And that's why you saw Jackson Dart with two design quarterback runs on first and second and goal. And then just straight up Wildcat with Quinshawn Judkins on a couple of his touchdown runs. So you didn't like to see some of that. Um, but Toa Toa did finish with seven tackles in the game. Uh, as a defense, you did have seven tackles for loss. You had a couple of guys with two apiece. Uh, Brian Branch, we talk about his performance and the heroic effort there on the final play for Ole Miss. He did have two tackles for loss. So this is a guy who 
typically a really good tackler around the box. So Judkins, you just give him more credit than anything else because you just don't see that happen to Brian very often uh, like what we saw from Judkins there on that final drive for Ole Miss. Um, Let's talk about, again, the offensive side of the ball. Let's look at the performance of the passing attack. And again, not much in the way of a true number one receiver. Jermaine Burton stepped it up to an extent, five catches for 50 yards. I thought Kendrick Law gave the receiving core a lift there uh, in the second half when we finally saw a little bit more of him. Three catches, 26 yards for the true freshman. Cam Latou, when you're talking about red zone opportunities, continues to be a big focal part of that. Cam with a touchdown catch in the game. Ja'Cory Brooks with a touchdown catch as well. And, you know, Ja'Cory, he had the longest reception in the game for Alabama, which I thought was a lateral. But as I look at the official stats here, uh, Ja'Cory Brooks, four catches, 61 yards, team high in targets for a second straight week, eight more targets for Ja'Cory Um, The 35-yarder goes down as a pass play. What a play by Bryce on that once again. Kind of eludes pressure. Able to get it out wide to Ja'Cory, who works that sideline for 35 yards. Um, JoJo Earl, tough fumble for him there in the first half. Kind of evened out because you got the takeaway from Terry and Arnold. But again, when you consider the short field's that Ole Miss had to work with on occasion, and then the fourth down stop that Alabama made at its own 12, uh, those are some big sequences in the game. And producing the the turnover there uh, inside the, the Ole Miss 30 late in the second quarter to help that offense get into the end zone and breathe life into a team that at 17-7 to and going into the half and not a lot of good things happening, you're starting to think, Is this team already in wilt mode before we get to the half? But, boy, that play, uh, absolutely huge in keeping uh, Alabama engaged, I would say, at that point. So Bryce goes 21 of 33 for 209 and three touchdowns. And, again, not his most prolific performance uh, as the starter at Alabama. But now in games in which he has attempted 40 or fewer passes, he is 16-0 and 0 as a starter. When you get him, like most quarterbacks, as good as Bryce is, he's not immune to L's if you get him up over 45, 50 pass attempts. As we talked about, Alabama's two road losses this season. He's 51, 52 attempts. So, Not the total plays that I'm sure the offense would like, but it was better in the second half in terms of sustaining things. Uh, I don't think you could point to a drive and and come up with a better um, example than the 14 play scoring drive there in the third quarter where you had some good mix. Uh, You culminate it with the five-yard touchdown pass from Bryce. Um, To Ja'Cory, Bryce does a nice job of breaking the pocket there. Ja'Cory stays with him, and then Bryce just delivers a sort of NFL-type throw on the move perfectly to Ja'Cory to tie the game at at 24 apiece. But, yeah, it was once again a collective effort, I guess we could say, from a receiving perspective. And, boy, if you'd have told me going into this game, you know, Alabama is going to get from Jameer Gibbs, it is going to get for the game seven touches – For eight yards, I would not have bet 
on Alabama winning the game straight up, let alone covering the 11.5 or 12, whatever you got it at. But that's the way it played out. And again, give Jason McClellan a lot of credit. I'm not convinced that either of these backs are 100%. I'm not convinced Jameer Gibbs went into the game healthy. I'm not convinced Jason McClellan's been the same since that hit he took um, at Arkansas a month or so ago. Uh, Roydell Williams also with some complimentary runs. He had two carries there in the third quarter for 13 yards. So, look, you look at the rushing totals, and they're not going to bring back the 2018. I understand that. 36 carries, 108 yards. An offense that earlier in the season um, routinely surpassed the 200-yard mark, now struggling to get to 150. And part of it Saturday was the explosive runs just were not there, especially once Gibbs left the game. But even when he was in there, his longest run was three yards. Um, Jace had a long of 12. Uh, Bryce actually had Alabama's longest run in the game. He had three runs of 10 yards or more Bryce did in the game, one of them being 14. Roydell, as we talked about, with his 13 yards, had a long of eight, so nothing really in the way of explosives, but enough in the run game in the second half. When you look at McClellan's numbers, 67 of his 84 yards in the second half, all of Roydell's rushing total in the second half, and again, not much in terms of yards per carry, even in the third and fourth quarter just about four yards per carry uh, but it was enough and it was good to see Alabama exhibit some edge some physicality as much as anything else you know we talk about how much that can impact things from a tangible perspective but that also ignites things intangibly you know when your defense is on the sideline even and they see your offensive line kicking ass like Emil Echior did on in the fourth quarter when he wraps around and he absolutely blows up Otis Reese on a 12-yard run by Jason McClellan, that that sets off some things that, that don't show up in the box score, right? And so that was really about the first time this season that we seen much of that sort of sequence like Jace pushing the pile or Tyler Booker in the game helping to push Jace in the pile 12 yards there in the third quarter I know it 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 doesn't sound like a lot we're not talking about you know 300 rushing yards or anything like that but I guess when we look at this offense and the struggles it has had either committing to the run and or executing the run when it has tried all these empty carries uh, those were positives there in the second half. And it felt like, anyway, Alabama had seized some type of control of the game. I think that was absolutely the case on the 14-play drive because you're holding the football there for you're holding the football there for six plus minutes. And then in the fourth quarter, whereas you don't finish the game, Offensively, if there was a disappointment there in the second half, it was in the fourth quarter when you had a couple of field position opportunities to step on the Rebels' neck and go up two scores and kind of beat up the defense the last week or so about not finishing the game at LSU. Well, the offense didn't exactly slam the door, but give a lot of credit to Will Reichard, man. 
You want to talk about a dude that is absolutely invaluable. And this Alabama offense late in games, they don't make it easy on him either. You know, the 50-yarder at Tennessee. And then Saturday at Ole Miss, it's a 49-yarder with a three-point lead, and you need it to make Ole Miss go down and score a touchdown. Think about that in retrospect. If Will doesn't make another one of these kicks, kind of like the 50-yarder he made against Texas A&M, even in games when he hasn't been what other folks would consider him to be great, he has still made big kicks. Sometimes they haven't paid off in the form of a win. He made some big kicks at Tennessee before he missed the 50-yarder late. And he comes through once again with the 49-yarder with 2.23 to go in the fourth quarter Saturday. Makes it a six-point game. And so, whereas Ole Miss has a really good kicker of its own and a transfer that it picked up. Surprise there, right? When we talk about uh, when we talk about Ole Miss and its roster this season. But Jonathan Cruz, the kicker for Ole Miss, I believe he came in from Charlotte. He's been really good this season for Ole Miss. So instead of Ole Miss being in a situation there late where it can either tie the game or maybe even win the game with a field goal, uh, they're forced to go for six. And the Alabama defense kind of tested your stints there, kind of tested that plaque in your arteries a little bit, didn't they? Before getting that stop, but they do get the job done. Now, in terms of penalties, things like that, that have been problematic, um, you look at the numbers, nothing too egregious, I would say, in terms of total penalties, five for 45, which given the struggles this Alabama team has had, especially on the road where penalties are concerned, that seems that's actually a pretty low number. But there were still some some penalties that were especially untimely. I guess one that I would look back on, what was it, third quarter? Um, you've got Ole Miss in a third and 18 from the Alabama 45 and you get a 15-yard face mask penalty on Dallas Turner, and then it is paid off in the form of a three-yard touchdown pass from Jackson Dart to Jonathan Mingo that gives Ole Miss a 24-17 lead. So whereas the numbers weren't especially bad, boy, that one, that one felt like a turnover. Because it's third and 18, based on the field position, even as much as Lane loves to go for it, if you just limit Dart to a scramble of about five yards, he's probably not going on fourth and 13. I mean, who the hell knows with Lane, right? Still, I'm going to think Lane's going to put you in the hole in that situation. Um, But instead, you get the first down if you're Ole Miss. Uh, at the Alabama 30, and then four plays later, five plays later, Ole Miss is in the end zone. And again, that's adversity, and it's one of those situations where you're thinking, man, the chin on this team hasn't been all that great in these situations. Um, But it's also where you give the Alabama offense a lot of credit on the possession that ensued because that was the 14-play 80-yard drive that saw Alabama tie the game at 24, and that helped extend the life, I think, for Alabama. Um, Because you you get it done there, 
Um, you get a stop defensively. Now you're starting to play some complimentary football. Then you force a punt that only goes 25 yards for Ole Miss. Now you've got the ball at the Ole Miss 49. You don't go down and get in the end zone, but you do get the 23-yard field goal from Will Reichard. So you've got some offense, you've got some defense, you've got some special teams, and that's really how it kind of played out over the remainder of the fourth quarter from that point forward. And again, it's something we just haven't seen enough of from this Alabama team down the stretch of road games with an emphasis on road games uh, in 2022. Now, unfortunately for Alabama, the win was not enough to extend the Crimson Tide's chances of another SEC Western Division title. I guess... I guess LSU could lose to Texas A&M still, and you could perhaps have a tie, you know, uh, record-wise. But I don't think Alabama's like some other places where if there's like a seven-way tie for a conference division title, uh, you get rings. I, I don't. I don't think Alabama does that. Maybe they, I don't. I don't think so. But look, it, it's not been the season most envisioned for this team. I know I didn't. I didn't have. Alabama probably losing a game before Atlanta, let alone two before the second Saturday in November. But that's exactly the way it's played out. There were still some things in this game that were indicative of a two-loss team at this point in the season. Again, not as much in the way of penalties, but when you had one, boy, it it seemed to hurt especially bad. Um Not enough in the way of takeaways. This is still a team that is sitting with three interceptions on the season, just two by defensive backs. Now, Terry and Arnold had the big fumble recovery, and credit him. How many times have we seen plays like that where there's kind of a quick whistle like that, and the defensive player doesn't bother to even pick the ball up or make the recovery? Um, Good on Terry and for, for remaining engaged and having the clear recovery there. So that when it did go to replay, and it initially looked like it was going to be really, really close. As we saw more and more, it was pretty clear that Zach Evans was losing the football uh, before his shoulder or head kind of hit the turf there. And, um, you know, uh, and, and Terion was able to, to make that recovery. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's a W. It's a W, and if you're Alabama, you're not going to argue with it too much, not after your previous two road games. Um, as far as you know, bowl potential and big picture scenarios for this roster, I talked about this after the last uh, game uh, with instant analysis. It, it, it could be interesting because as we talked about with Tim Watts on the Bama Online podcast earlier in the week and throwing out some of those stay-or-go scenarios, there's a lot of guys on this football team between three and outs, between fourth-year guys, between guys that have COVID years available to them, uh, between guys that could benefit perhaps from NIL, should they hang around for another year. Entirely different world than what we're used to seeing on the decision front for a lot of these guys. But there'll be time for that to play out. You got Austin P coming up next at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Uh, feels like that game's coming at a good time. 
Uh, we'll see what happens with the Auburn Tigers on this Saturday evening at last check. Auburn was leading Texas A&M. Georgia was up fairly big on Mississippi State. I felt like that Georgia-Mississippi State game was going to be a lot like these Alabama-Mississippi State games because Georgia, talent-wise, can do the same things with an emphasis on defense that we see Alabama do every year against Mike Leach teams. What about Vanderbilt snapping its, like, what, three-year losing streak in the Southeastern Conference? Good for the Commodores, man. Clark Lee gets his first SEC win in Lexington over the Kentucky Wildcats. Uh, also, Tennessee goes Route 66 on Missouri. A lot of folks didn't like that late touchdown that Josh Heupel put on Missouri. Uh, Eli Drinkwitz electing to punt on a fourth down there late, thinking, I think, that Josh would just uh, kind of run it out. Instead, Joe Milton's throwing 70-yard bombs. Uh, and I'm sure, look, Heupel's argument's going to be, well, we you know we want to give our guys a chance to play down the depth chart, and also we're trying to still make an impression where the college football playoff is concerned. I said going into the Georgia game, Tennessee was in great shape, and it's played out that way. Now, we'll see with TCU. Um, I started this podcast where that game is concerned. It was still, I think, 0-0 in Austin, so still some football to play there in Austin, but Alabama gets the job done. 30-24 to over the Ole Miss Rebels. Crimson Tide moves to 8-2 and in the season and in good shape to go ahead and get that 10th win before the bowl season rolls around. Travis Ryer, thanking you once again for joining us here on Instant Analysis. Please check out all our game coverage right there at BamaOnline.com. Charlie Potter, Kirk McNair, myself, and then recruiting is every day. And so our site publisher, Tim Watts, our recruiting analyst, Hank South, they're going to keep you as informed uh, as you possibly can be when it comes to recruiting and beyond with us there at BamaOnline.com. Alabama basketball has gotten underway. So we'll have coverage of Nate Oates' team. Impressive win over Liberty on Friday night. That was, uh, what, 30, was that a 37-point win? Something like that? Boy, just an absolute boat race there in the second half against a really good Liberty team. But Alabama, very long, very talented. And if it's going to shoot the three like it did at Coleman on Friday night, going to be a very, very tough out. But can play defense. And more importantly, will play defense. Willingness on the defensive end. Never a bad thing. Again, we thank you for joining us here on the podcast. Travis Ryer, until next time, so long, everybody. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.